Well, we're well into the summer, and I can't believe it's already July. And I'm sure many of us are currently or have been preparing for the upcoming Fourth of July celebrations. You know, getting ready for time with family, barbecue, fireworks that we didn't definitely didn't cross state lines to buy. My family did at one point. Extended family. But we're gathering together for something very important, something that's very meaningful to all of us. In his book, The Twelve Rules for Life, Dr. Jordan Peterson brings up this rule. This is the seventh chapter of the book. Rule number seven: Pursue what is meaningful, not expedient. Pursue what's meaningful, not expedient. An expedient is basically it's something that's practical, convenient for our good use, and whatever we do with that, the outcome could be good or bad. We want to pursue what's meaningful. And what is meaningful to every American? When you think of America, and you see the flag back there, that even the most secular American can value: freedom. Freedom. It's the value that we cherish the most in this country. What does that word mean to us, each and every one of us? What is freedom? In a very meaningful way, we can talk about freedom from and freedom to. So, let's say in a spiritual way, freedom from something that holds us back from being the person God wants us to be. Something like you know, freedom from the British crown. That our country desired, or freedom to, freedom to be, the one God made us to be, freedom to go to Him. Just like our nation, freedom to govern ourselves, freedom to think, freedom to speak, freedom to pray, to worship, to pursue our vocation. Unfortunately, even the effects of original sin do impact this this God-given gift. It's a beautiful gift, but welcome to the human race. It's it's a gift that really can be taken advantage of. It becomes an expedient freedom, not a meaningful one. And maybe at some point in our lives, we each maybe said to ourselves, "It's a free country. I can do what I want. Don't tell me what to do. I do my own thing." That's not freedom. And I lived by that in a very darker period of my life. This is maybe going back nine years ago. I wanted to live on my own terms.、And、this is a little after college. I was just in a very dark place. I was a very angry person, and I completely, 100%, hated God. Oh, the irony! God has a sense of humor. I made decisions that, if the outcome Went in certain directions. I may not be here today. Just put it that. So for me, the Trinity was not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but me, myself, and I. A slave to my own ego, narcissism, pride. Millennial. I was completely unaware of. Yeah, I'm baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. I wasn't dead in sin. I was. I wasn't dead to sin. I was dead in sin. Not a way to live. It's not worth it. It was very immature and very pathetic.
And interestingly enough, it was during that time that I, I've mentioned my grandmother before, but that was actually the summer, this is 2014, that she was dying. And you know, her body became a prison. It was breaking down. Her mind was slipping away. And I remember in the house looking at her when she was in a, her wheelchair. Her back was facing me. And she was looking up, and she was just quietly praying in Spanish. Maybe she knew it was time to go, that it was coming. She was free, more free than I was at that point. She was free to go to God to lose her life and save it. I wanted to be free from God to save my life, and for a while I, I lost it. I can't imagine a life without God. It's very freeing. It really is. Free to be your deacon. Free to do these wonderful things and experience these things in this pastoral year. You know, celibacy even brings its own freedoms. Freedom to give my heart to all of you. Free to do whatever Monsignor tells me to do. <laughs> yes, Monsignor. And in less than a year, June 22nd, in the cathedral, I will put my hands in Archbishop Sample's hands to be ordained a priest, a free man. So complete autonomy to do whatever feels good, what seems good, whatever the culture is saying, no matter how irrational, that's not liberty. That's crazy. And even the Founding Fathers recognized this. Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, and the author of the Declaration of Independence, he once said that there was this very intimate connection between peace, prosperity, liberty, and morals, virtue, free to pursue the good. And unfortunately, in this, in this day and age, if someone like myself or, or you know, any cleric talks about morality, some people might automatically you know, go, okay, here comes the church of no, the church of regulation, the church that tells me what to do or not to do. I'm sorry, that's not Ima Ecclesia. That's not Holy Mother Church. She brings her children in and she guides them to the free yes, the true yes. So behind some of those no, there's always an affirmation. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the church. This is what you're saying yes to. Affirmative orthodoxy, as Bishop Barron would put it. James Madison, the fourth president, and he's the father of the U.S. Constitution, he believed that to suppose that any form of government that would seek to secure liberty and happiness without instilling virtue in her people was, as he called it, chimerical, impossible. I'm preaching to the choir here. We've all turned on the news and we've seen the insanity that's out there. People who think they're free, free to do what they want, but they're still enslaved by sin. Think about the corporations that target children. Think about the group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence that were going to the LA Dodgers Stadium and their motto is, go and sin some more. What? Cancel culture enslaving opinions, ideology founded on broken reality. That's not supposed to be America. That's not why we would love her. 
That's not freedom, that's anarchy. And anarchy, anarchy is not freedom. Anarchy, chaos, noise, distractions. All of it just clouds us, it hinders all of us from knowing who Christ is. He's the source of freedom, it came from him. And fully surrendering to him, as he said in the gospel. Are we free to be able to freely give ourselves to him who freely wants us? We need freedom. We need our Messiah. Even the Hebrew translation of Jesus' name, Yeshua, implies freedom. It means salvation, deliverance, victory. Victory over sin and death on the battlefield of Golgotha. And life as a Christian, I'm preaching again to the choir, is not easy. We all know what hardship is. We all have had our struggles. There's something inside us that is hurting. But I think many would agree with me that the life of a Christian at the same time is also rewarding. It can be beautiful and liberating to know that no matter what the hardship is, I follow a God who desires to love me fully and that I love him back fully. Relationship. God is Abba, Dad. And maybe we can think of a time where maybe we've encountered a person in our own life who is free. You ever meet somebody who just life never seems to get them down? They're always positive or somebody you know who's gone through a trial and they came out a stronger person thinking, how did you go through all that and, and you are the, who you are today? You know, what do you have that, what do you have? I want some of that. It's a breath of fresh air, right? It's, it's motivating, it's inspiring. When you encounter somebody who, who knows who they were meant to be, they're free to know who they're meant to be. Beloved child of God, it begins and ends there. Beloved child of God, living in the newness of life. It's all about relationship, our relationship with the Father. We're not called to be alone, and according to Pope Benedict, we are a relational being. Man is a relational being. Look at the cross. The vertical part of the cross, God's relationship to man. God's relationship, yeah, God's relationship to man. The horizontal, man's relationship to his neighbor. That's freedom. We're not alone. We are his. Last week, I, I was invited to the home of a, of a parishioner who I, I greatly respect and, and look up to. Uh, she'd invited me to have dinner with her, her husband, and their, and their young son. And it was, a uh, you know... It was a wonderful time, and uh, you know they invited me because they recognize righteousness and holiness when they see it. I'm just kidding. I'm not that arrogant. In fact, it was the reverse. I felt like I was going into a holy home. It was inspiring to see the dynamic between the, the husband, wife, and the mother and father, and, and their welcoming of me. It was humbling. And you know, conversations were mostly lighthearted, but then we got to the point later in the evening where she started talking about a, a tragedy that occurred in her life, putting it very lightly, but this, this great tragedy that she went through. And as she was talking about it, as we were conversing about it, you know, I'm, I'm looking at her thinking, you know, it's not, she's like not suppressing anything, and, but she's free. She went through this trial, this tragedy, and yet in all of it, she found peace. She found hope and joy 
she found freedom to continue because she knows she's a free child of God, a beloved daughter. Now, on the other side, I was at Quovatis this week, and thank you for your prayers for, for the men who were on this, uh, on this retreat. And it was a, a wonderful time, and we had a lot, of, a lot of great kids there. And our vocations director, Father Peter Julia, the first evening asked these young men, the men of Generation Z, Gen Z, what are some of the stereotypes, the negative stereotypes, about your generation? What have you heard that doesn't feel so good when you hear it? And it was very eye-opening. Some said, we're lazy. We don't work. We're too antisocial, just plugged into video gaming or social media. And even the next day at breakfast, uh, one of the high schoolers, his sophomore, he, he said to me, you know, I, I know what toxic masculinity is, but I just want to be an actual man, like a good man. I want to be like St. Joseph, like my dad. But I feel like if I'm too vulnerable, I'm seen as weak. So when you hear all these people talking about, I'm the victim, I'm oppressed, we're oppressed, I wonder who's actually being oppressed here. Who's not free? These, these boys. Society is beating them up. More of a beat down. They are not free to pursue Christ. They're, they're chained between a, a rock and a hard place. Too vulnerable, you're weak. Too much of a man, you're toxic. That's no way to live. I wasn't the most confident millennial growing up. I can't imagine what a low-confident Gen Z is like. That's heartbreaking. And looking at, at, these, at these young men, I thought, you know, they got so much potential if they just knew how free they were, how loved they are by the Father, and how they would make great fathers, maybe some priests in that group. we got to keep praying. Pray for their freedom. We are free. And we should wake up to that freedom every single day as Americans, as beloved children of God the Father, as we are the royal priesthood. We're a family. We are ultimately free because we, are not, we should not be slaves of our own ego. Because in the words of Fulton Sheen, again, we are not our own. We are his. I'd rather be with God than a slave to my own ego. So that's meaningful freedom, not expedient freedom. Today is July 2nd. This is the actual day when we declared independence. The reason we, we celebrate it on the 4th is because it was ratified by Congress on the 4th in 1776. But this is actually when we declared it. So, in the spirit as Americans, in the spirit of the Founding Fathers, and in the spirit of the people of God, is today going to be Independence Day? A Eucharistic Independence Day. He's right here. And the source of our faith is the source of our freedom. It's the Eucharist that gives us that proper direction, that breaks the chains. Where do we each need liberation in our lives? Today, let's become free. Free to be his beloved one. Amen. Amen.